You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It is great to see you guys here today. Today is actually National Women's Equality Day. Did you know that? It's what we're celebrating today as a nation. And today is celebrated on this day, August 26, because in 1920, on this day, Congress passed the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. And one of the major reasons why we can celebrate this day today is because of the sacrifice uh, from so many women, especially women like Susan B. Anthony. She's a Christian woman from Massachusetts, and with her friend Elizabeth Stanton, back in 1869, she created the National Women's Suffrage Association, and that really kicked off the women's rights movement in our country. She traveled all over the U.S. campaigning for women's rights and also the abolition of slavery, and she would sacrifice her time, her energy, her efforts, all kinds of marches, all kinds of conferences, all kinds of speaking engagements, and uh, through that effort, she was criticized, she was mocked, uh, she was taken to court over her views, protesters would, would show up and shout her down, riots would ensue. She was laughed at by Congress, and uh, she was even fined for casting an illegal vote in 1872. All this work, all this sacrifice uh, took a toll on her life. She never married. She never had her own kids. And so for 45 years, she spent a life of sacrifice, uh, uplifting and fighting for the cause of the oppressed. And she passed away on March 13th, 1906. So she never got to experience the the fruits of all of her sacrifice. It would take another 34 years of sacrifice by many, many other people for Congress to finally pass this amendment in 1920. Susan B. Anthony never got to see her dream come to fruition, but her sacrifice should never be forgotten. Now, I believe it was her faith in Christ that led her to live this life of sacrifice for the cause of of women. And so I want to start today by asking you, what kind of sacrificial life is is Christ calling you to live? What kind of life of sacrifice is the Lord asking and and leading you to lead today? When we say the word sacrifice, it doesn't mean that you're just giving up something for nothing. When you sacrifice, it means that you're giving up one thing, something that that you, you think is not as important for something that you think is of greater value. And so for Anthony, she believed giving her life to the cause of women was worth it because she felt like the oppression was worth her sacrifice because the greater value was lifting up the equality of women. So the law of sacrifice says that in order to attain something you believe is of greater value, you must give up something you believe that is of lesser value. So I'm going to give up this thing that is of lesser value because it's going to help me get to what I believe is of greater value. That makes sense to us. And the reality is we're all making sacrifices today. Every single person in this room is making some type of sacrifice. And you're not just sacrificing for sacrifice sake. You're doing it because there is something that you believe is of greater value. And so you're going to give up things of, of lesser value for that thing that you believe is of greater value today. And, and maybe you're giving up some things for your family or you're giving up some things sacrificially to benefit work or you're, you're doing this to benefit yourselves. And, and, and that's what we do in many cases. Everyone here today sacrifice some time to be here today for the benefit of your spiritual life. 
Many of you will sacrifice money to go on vacation, uh, and you did this past summer. Why? For the benefit of spending relational time with your family, or maybe just rest. Some of you are going to sacrifice relational time with your kids for the benefit of getting a promotion at work. You see, we're all going to sacrifice something in our life to get something that we believe is of greater value. But here's the thing when it comes to our worship. You're, you're going to sacrifice one thing for the ultimate thing that you worship. We're in a series entitled To Be Human, and every single week we've been saying that we are created to be worshipers. To be human is to worship. We walk in here worshiping something today. Every single person in this room has a heart that is ruled by something, and whatever is ruling your heart today is the object of your worship. And so last week I said, what do you run to when you suffer? Because when you're suffering, you're going to run to the thing that you worship. What do you run to to sustain you, to help you recover, to encourage you during that time of suffering, to uplift you during that time of suffering? Well, that's going to be the object of your worship. And so today, the question is, what do you sacrifice the most for? What do you sacrifice the most time for? What do you sacrifice the most money for? What do you sacrifice your talents and gifts for? Because at the end of the day, when you start to dial in on the thing or the things that you're sacrificing the most for, it's going to reveal your object of worship, your God. And that's why it's easy for us, if we think in those lens, to get to the answer of what we're, we're truly worshiping in our life. And, and for some people, that's why we say they worship their kids, because they sacrifice so much for their kids, and it seems like such a holy and righteous sacrifice, because we love them. But when you are giving and sacrificing all of this time and energy and money for your kids, and, and, and God, and the sacrifice that you give to God is not just even, but your kids are here and your sacrifice to God is here, you have a major spiritual problem. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's a hobby. No matter what it is, the, the hope today is that we would get the objects of our sacrifice in tune today, and we would bring the sacrifices that God is requiring us so that our worship would connect to his heart. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. We've, we've kind of been in a few chapters in the book of Hebrews today, and the whole point of this book is, is that the old form of worship is over. It's been fulfilled, and, and Jesus has replaced that old system. The old way was built around sacrifices in the tabernacle, and the new way is also built upon sacrifices, but they are much uh, different in respect to our worship to God. It, it won't involve animals or blood, but it will involve the right kind of sacrifices. And so today, I want to talk about the greatest sacrifice you could ever make to live the greatest life you could ever live. We want to dial in on that today. So in your in your Bibles, Hebrews 13, we're going to start in verse 12. Here's what it says. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Sanctify, to make us holy, to make us like him. He, through his death, paid for our salvation. Verse 12. So, because of that, because of his sacrifice, it says, so Jesus did this. Therefore, in verse 13, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually 
offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, keep your Bibles open, circle some things today. I think today we're going to really see the three sacrifices that we need to make in order to please God. And the first sacrifice that we have to make if we're going to please God and bring him our worship in our life is that we're going to bring him the sacrifice of our life, the sacrifice of our life. So verse 12, he says, let us go to him. It says in verse 15, let us continually offer this sacrifice So the idea is that when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are saying that we are are giving our life in the service of our King. You're going to live your life to honor Him. You're going to live your life to bring glory to Him. You're going to worship Him. Romans 12, 1 uh, says it really well. Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, God's mercy, He suffered on the cross He died there for your sins. His love, his grace was given to us through that sacrifice so that we might find life, so that we might find hope, so that we would be able to face every day with the hope of heaven and the hope that we're going to overcome sin and death. In view of all of that, in view of his mercy, he says, what he's done for us. Therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, give your entire self to him. Live your life in sacrifice to God because that is holy and pleasing to him. He says, this is your true and proper worship. This is true, honorable, right worship. In other words, this is the right response to the God of mercy that saved you and loved you and called you to a deeper and greater life and purpose in life and the hope of heaven. In view of that, this is your proper response. Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, In other words, don't just fall in line with how everybody else thinks and how everybody lives their life and what everybody else is doing. Don't do that. In other words, he says, instead, be transformed. Be different. Be changing. Be dedicated to a life of a living sacrifice to God where you are constantly being changed. How are you changed? He says, by the renewing of your mind. Now, how do we change our behavior? Well, we have to change the way that we think. And when we change the way that we think, then our behavior follows. And so he says the word of God, the truth of God's word, the spirit of God will transform your mind. It will renew your mind. And then he says, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. You want to know what God's will is in your life? You want to know what job to take, where to live, what to do next? You're trying to figure out God's will for your life? Live your life as a living sacrifice to him. This is the proper act of worship. And as you focus in on his heart and you live a life of sacrifice, giving him your entire life, your service, your talents, your life given to him, his plan, his ways, this is you living a living and and being a living sacrifice to and for him This is how we discover his will. This is how we fulfill his will. It should be the driving force of your passion today. It should be the driving force of your heart and your mind. You should leave today and say, I have got to get a handle on my worship. I've got to understand what I'm worshiping. I got to understand how to worship God correctly and intensely and with passion. 
And it's got to move up on our priority list. It's, it's got to become a focus. We've got to get God in the center of our worship and get everything else out. To be a living sacrifice to Jesus means that you believe that the greater value in this world is Jesus. So I'm going to give up the lesser value, which is my way, my will, what I want, what I think is important. And as I give up and sacrifice what I want and I lay down all of that before my king, he says that's the proper response in view of his mercy, that's how every single one of us should be living our life. In view of his mercy, we're going to become a living sacrifice. Now, look at verse 13. You might underline this phrase. He says, let us go outside the camp. Now, what in the world? Go outside the camp. Well, Jesus was crucified outside the walls of the city, outside the camp, and that was a sign of his rejection as the Messiah. Now, if you Rewind to week one of this series, we, I, I preached from Exodus 33. Remember what was happening in that chapter. Moses is going to the top of the mountain to receive God's word, and the people were impatient. They, they put their, their, their worship on a temporary idol for a temporary emotion and feeling. Remember that? And so they, they gave all of their gold, they melted it down, and they made an image of a golden calf. And so as Moses comes down, having been with God, the, the Ten Commandments now written and etched on the, on the stone tablets, he comes to find all the people worshiping this idol. Uh, after that, he creates the tent of meeting. This was the first tabernacle, and it was outside the camp. And so Moses says, if you want to connect with God, if you want to worship God, you've got to go outside the camp to meet with God. And every time Moses went into the tent of meeting, he experienced the presence of God. The presence of God filled the, the, the room like a, a cloud of smoke, and he heard from God. So anyone that wanted to approach God and worship had to go outside the camp to the tent of meeting. And so now we have the same imagery that we've got to go outside the camp. I take this to mean that just as Jesus was taken outside the walls of the city to receive and endure this rejection and suffering— you and I, too, must be willing to go outside the walls of our home, go outside the walls of this church, and be willing to suffer the same rejection that the world gave Jesus. It's a sign that the, for the Jews at this time, they, were, they, they would have to leave the old system of worship and go outside that camp, go outside the, the, the system of sacrifices at the tabernacle, and go to Jesus Go to a brand new form and way and system of worship, because worship is now through Jesus. So go outside that old system, and this would have been really difficult. Think about it. We're really comfortable with this way of life. We're, you know, we're, we're very comfortable. We understand that we're safe here. You're asking us to give up our traditions, the way that we live our life, the relationships that we're in, and you're asking us to leave that, Jesus, and to go outside those walls and to go outside that camp into a brand new way of connecting to Jesus. And he says, yeah, if you want more of me, you've got to go outside the camp. You've got to leave your way of life. You've got to leave what's comfortable for you. You've got to leave the comforts of your home, the comforts of the walls of this church, and get outside the walls because that's where Jesus is. If you want more of God, if you want more of Jesus in your life, you've got to get outside your way of thinking, outside your way of living, 
Die to that old self. Die to that old sin. Die to those old, terrible, sinful habits. And go outside the camp because that's where Jesus is. If you want to be with him, you've got to get outside that comfort zone. And and by the way, that's where all the lost and hurting people are as well. They're not in the camp of, of all the religious. No, they're outside the camp. So if we want to connect with the unbelievers in our city, we've got to get outside the walls of this church. You've got to get outside the walls of your comfort zone to live a life that is sacrificially dedicated to serving Jesus. We've got to be willing to leave this comfortable life. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me into the world, I am sending you into the world. And so this is what worship looks like. This is what a lifestyle of worship, a, a living sacrifice to Jesus looks like. Every time we go outside the walls, every time we leave our house, every time we leave our church walls, we leave our comfortable life. We are inviting someone to church. We are encouraging them to you know, come to church. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about what God is doing in our church. We're talking about what we're learning about God. We're being honest about our feelings. We're being honest about the struggle. We're, we're, we're talking about the excitement of what's happening in our church. This is us bringing the fruit of our lips into the conversation, getting outside the walls, getting around lost and hurting people, and we're sharing the hope of Jesus with them. This is living a sacrificial life. Now, why would we do that? Look at verse 14. Circle this phrase. Because we seek the city that is to come. We're, we're not home. You get that, right? We're, we're not here forever. This is not our home. It's why we feel like we don't fit in in this world, because we don't. It's why when we watch the news and we think the world is against Christians, they are. And it's why we have this feeling of, man, I just don't feel settled. I just don't feel It's because we're not meant for this world. We're seeking a city that is to come. So if you're making sacrifices to advance only your life in this world, it is pointless. Naked you came into the world, naked you will leave this world. We've got to make sacrifices not just for today and this world, but we've got to focus on making sacrifices that will impact eternity, the city that is to come. Now in Revelation 21, John sees the new city forming, and he says this. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He, ta- he goes on, and he, exp- he talks about what it looks like and what we're going to be doing there. And So the idea for us is that we've got to live in light of this knowledge, in light of the hope of this new city that will be created, this new earth and realize that that's the city that you and I have to be preparing for. Not this world, not this city. The world that is to come has to be our focus. That's where we'll be united with believers that have gone before us. That's the city where there will be no more pain and no more suffering. That's the city where we will see Jesus face to face. That's the city where there will be no pain. There will be no more suffering. We will finally understand why things happen in this life, and we will see Jesus face to face. That's the city we are living for we must live for, and we must sacrifice for. This one is temporary, very short. We're not promised tomorrow. We seek the city that is to come. So we go outside the camp, experiencing the same rejection, the same suffering that Jesus experienced, willing to embrace that, willing to leave our comfort zones, willing to leave what we want. Why? To die to self and to live for Christ and take that message of hope to a lost and dying world. This is a life that God is calling us to live, a a sacrificial 
life of praise to him. The second sacrifice that he's calling us to live is in verse 15. He calls us to bring a sacrifice of praise. Now, he starts off by saying here that this praise is through him. It's through Jesus. So if you haven't connected to Jesus yet, your worship has not come into fruition quite yet. Because it is only through Jesus that we can worship God. It's through his death, his sacrifice, that ripped the tore the, the, the curtain so that we could now be in the presence of God through his death and his sacrifice. And so, so it's through him. And so that means when we worship, he is the audience. He's the audience. Now, I know you guys are sitting in the seats and you guys are looking at me, but I'm not the performer today. The band comes out here with their guitars and their microphones and they're, you know, all happy and they're singing. They're not the performers, right? You are the performer. God is the audience. I'm not the performer. The band's not the performer. You're the performer today. And God is the audience. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, am I bringing a sacrifice of praise? The band Me, I'm just kind of the initiator, kind of pointing you in the direction to connect your heart to God. I'm here to help, direct. You're the audience. You're the performer. And God is the audience. And so the question then becomes, did your heart connect with the heart of God? Did you bring a sacrifice of praise to him? He explains what this sacrifice of praise looks like. He calls it the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So the fruit of our lips, we know, Scripture says that what is in our heart will come out of our mouth. So how you communicate, how you talk is evidence of what's in your heart. So if if your language, if your anger, if whatever is in your heart, however that's coming out, that's what's in your heart. So we can't deny that. You can't just say, oh, I'm sorry, that's not me. No, it is definitely you. That's what's in your heart. And so we, we, we examine that today when we come into this room to worship God. Did we bring the fruit of our heart, from our heart to our lips, that acknowledge the name of Jesus? Have you given him that sacrifice of praise? So let's talk about it and apply it to our time together on Sunday morning. We've talked about private worship. We've talked about the whole system of worship and how it's changed through Jesus. And so today I want to take a little bit of time to kind of dial in on our time as a church. We come here on Sunday morning and we come to worship Jesus. And I want you to envision and and kind of go with me on this, that this arrow represents your affection. It represents your worship. It represents your heart, and your goal is when you come into this room to take your affections, to take your heart, to take your love, the things that are stirring you and moving you, and you are to take this worship, and you are to fire it away at the heart of God. Because when we talk about worship, what we're saying is there is some some kind of goal. There's some kind of intention when we talk about worship. And the goal then is to connect our heart to the heart of God. And so then we have to think in terms of, okay, am I coming in this room and I'm just firing away my worship at all these other things in life and what I've watched and what I've listened to and what I'm longing for and what I've been thinking about all week and I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of fl- flinging these things at whatever, you know, gets my heart to flutter, you know, on this day or that day, whatever excites me. 
Or am I coming in here with some intentionality? Am I coming in here in this room? And, and, and listen, I get it. I, I know what it's like to get ready and to get to church, especially to the first service. You're like, dude, it's a miracle that we're here. <laughs> you don't know what happened this morning. The dog ran away. The kid threw up on himself in the car. We had to go home and change. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to us, you know, as we're trying to get out the door. It's a miracle that you're here. And so your mind has been going a million miles an hour all week. And you walk into this place and your mind is like, okay, I got to do this for work. And then this afternoon, the kids, and then I got to make sure I knock this out tonight because I got to do this. And, 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 and our mind is just kind of everywhere, right? And if we don't take control of our thoughts and our minds, then, then it's just going to kind of be one of these deals, right? It's going to just kind of be whatever comes to our mind, we're going to be throwing our love and our affection, and we're going to be just kind of running after that. And God says, no, 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 I want your mind to slow down. I want you to know why you are gathered here today. And we gather here today to connect our heart with God. And so one of the things that we do to help our heart connect to God is we sing songs, right? And so we sing songs. And, and when we sing songs about God, then it draws our heart to God. And so we kind of start the service with the, with the fast and upbeat and kind of happy songs, you know, and we kind of, okay, yeah, we're kind of here, you know, and then all of a sudden it like dials down and you're like, oh, okay, now we're ready. And now like we're, we're, we're moving into this, this zone of worship and, and Pastor James prays and now our heart is even more focused and now the songs are even more anthemy and more intense, right? And, and everything is kind of doubted. And why do we do that? Well, we're trying, to, we're trying to help your mind from all the craziness of the world kind of get dialed in so that, so that as you're here, it's kind of like, okay, I think I see it. I think I see it. And you're kind of drawing it back, right? Okay, okay, here it is. And then at some point, bam! You know, it was that song, it was that moment, and, and my heart is now connecting with God, right? And so, so it's through song. Now, we see this all through the Scripture. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. Psalm 108, verse 3, I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. So singing connects our heart to God. We're, we're commanded to do it, and it's an expression of worship. Let me just say this, though. Songs don't equal worship. They're, they, they're an expression of worship, and, and if they are true, and if they hit the target for you, then it's worship. But if it doesn't hit the target, if your mind isn't there, if your heart isn't there, if what you're singing isn't true of you, then God's like, eh, I didn't get it. He's the audience. You're the performer. I didn't get it. It didn't connect, right? And so we come into this hour, right? And for us to grow our culture of worship here, we've got to grow our engagement of music. So everybody, everybody look at me. Here's, here's the deal. Some of you are super engaged when we sing, and there's another pretty good percentage of you that are not engaged during the music. And it breaks our heart. And the mentality and the attitude from what it appears, the appearance that you're giving is not encouraging others. The, the appearance that you're giving is that this is the performance and you're the audience and the mentality is feed me, do something to encourage me. And it's just like, watch. That's not everybody. I, I don't know what percentage. I'm just saying it appears and looks like that because... Some of you just don't sing. 
There's no engagement in music. There's no affection in music. And now I know the response that I get when I ask guys this is like, dude, I'm not a singer, man. I just don't, I just don't sing. And I was like, really? Really? Because when Chris Stapleton comes on the radio, I hear you sing. When Rocky Top plays, I hear 110,000 people sing. Men, women, young, old, Right? Kids that don't, can't even talk yet are singing Rocky Dob. <laughs> Why? Because we sing about the things that our hearts are stirred with love and affection for. And so you can sing Tennessee whiskey with a smile on your face. And you can sing Rocky Top with hands held high. No problem. No issue. Why? Because those are the things that are stirring your affection. Now, that's not a guilt trip for you. Great songs, great whatever, okay? Not a bad thing. However, if you are sacrificing your worship of God and giving your expressions for all of these things and elevating them in your expression and your response and in your love and in your songs and in your your heart and God is down here, there's an issue. Like if I see people going after, you know, you know, whatever musician or whatever anthem it is on Saturday and they show up on Sunday and they can't stay awake, we've got a problem. We have an issue with our hearts and how we're connecting to the heart of God. If you're at a UT football game and somebody yells, does that shock you? You're like, oh, what is that guy yelling for? You know? We scored a touchdown. What are all these people jumping for? That's a little weird to me. No, you, you don't say that because at a UT game, when somebody scores a touchdown, it's natural for your heart to respond with joy, right? And so, so hands are up, singing, yelling, clapping. We are cheering for the team, right? I'm right there with you. How come in church, when it comes to cheering, clapping, yelling, we're like, oh, I wasn't raised that way? Why is that? Why, 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 why do we say things like that? Listen, let me say it again. Your response, your emotion, your physical posture responds to the things that you are in love with. And so maybe today is just about me giving you a little freedom. Because when the song ends, and the song is just a touchdown, man, Jesus paid it all. Like, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'm giving everything. Jesus is my cornerstone, the Lord of all. We end that one. It's a home run. It's a touchdown. My anthem, my physical response is, yeah! Woo! And I don't want people looking around thinking, that dude is weird. Right? So can we just have a little bit of freedom here? You're not cheering for James. You're not cheering for me. Your heart and affection has just connected with God. And when it connects with a holy and living God, there is a response. There's emotion there. There's a smile on your face when you are singing about the grace of God. I mean, there, there, there can't not be if you're making a connection with who God is. And so I would say when a touchdown is scored on Sunday morning, we should all be cheering. We should all be yelling. Hands should be raised. 
like when I say something in a sermon and you're just like, oh yeah, man, I'm with that. If that's who Jesus is, I want that. I love that. I'm going to clap for that, man. That's it right there. Amen. It's okay to be in your seat. Can we just have a little freedom for the guy that, that, that is there and something is said on stage to, to say, that's right. Amen. I'm with you. Right? It's okay to kind of smile at church. It's okay. This is a, a physical response to who God is. It shows others that you are, in fact, connecting to God. Because when you are connecting to God, there is always physical responses. It's why some of you cry on Sunday morning. Because your heart is being stirred by God. That's why you smile. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we sing it's why we engage in a sermon. This is our response to God. This is a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips. And so it's okay to clap. The Bible says clap your hands, lift your hands, raise a banner of praise. It's not a denominational thing. It's a psalmist thing. It's about your heart engaging and the revelation and the wonder of who God is and when your heart focuses on God, there is a response. Amen. In view of his mercy, because he was taken outside the camp, therefore, that is our response. He's telling us to bring a song of praise, to lift up our voice. And he's telling us, not just by music, that's an expression but he's also telling us, and it's why we do this on Sunday morning, it's why we pray together. And I would say when someone from stage prays, don't just listen to pray, the prayer. Like engage God with your own prayer. It's, 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 it's a corporate prayer. And so as we are singing and, and the music kind of goes into just the instrumental part. Have you ever been there? I've been there. It's just like, oh, we're singing, we're singing, this is such a good song, and I'm like thinking about God, and then all of a sudden it goes into like this, you know, beautiful like piano thing or whatever, and there's no words, and the band's just up here, and you're just like, oh, okay, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> Pray. Think about God. Think about the words you just said. Close your eyes, raise your hands. Get on your knees. Pray, connect, think about him. This is what it means to connect your heart to them. It's why we study the scripture. The sermon, by the way, is a sacrifice of praise for me. It's the fruit of my lips to God for what he's done in my heart. As I've developed this and I've written this, it is my expression to you. And how you engage it and how you receive it and how you hear God through it is your sacrifice of praise. right? And so there's engagement. There's activity even while the sermon is preached, right? We also gather, and a lot of theologians believe this is the number one reason why we gather to worship God, and that is to encourage one another, to build each other up, to stir one another on. We, we've been talking about this, to equip each other. So we gather to, to stir, to encourage one another. You need this. I need this. We gather before, the, before our time begins here in the hallways. As you leave, you stick around. You, you experience that. You're encouraged through the service, right? We are here to bless each other and to encourage one another. We come here on Sunday morning to serve one another. And so we're coming to serve, to sacrifice my giftedness, and I'm sacrificing that for the praise of God and to uplift other people. 
We gather on Sunday, Monday, on Sunday morning, and we, we use this time to observe the ordinances of the church. And so that's the Lord's Supper. We do that about every six weeks or so. We gather and we observe baptism. That's the second ordinance, what God ordained for, for us to do as a church corporately. And so, so we baptize. We do the Lord's Supper. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And so it is our culture here to have a culture of hospitality. It's why we make a big deal about it. Because we have a lot of strangers that come into our, 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 our church. There are a lot of guests. There's a lot of people who are hurting. There's a lot of people who are brand new to our city or brand new to our church. They're here every single week. And so when we gather, we're not coming here to be an audience. We're coming here to be a performer, performing our worship to God. And so that's why we encourage you to introduce yourself to people and build relationships with people while you are here. It's why we want to show hospitality as a church. Hospitality in, in the culture that we've always had is that our people would come and kind of gather towards the front. Right? I've never had to like say, you know, hey, I remember doing this like when I was a kid, like, hey, everybody in the back, all the back row Baptists, hey guys, could you all come forward? You ever been in a church that, that did that? Like we've never had to do that because the culture has been, okay, from, from a culture of hospitality, we gather to the front, more towards the action. Why? Because strangers and guests kind of want to hang on the fringe, right? And so that's a sacrifice of praise that we would do. I know a lot of people want to come in here and they want to sit on the end. Why? Because that's the, the, the seat of your choice, Like right? You like that. And for 20 minutes, you let people climb over your legs. You know, a sacrifice of praise of hospitality would be go find the middle so that people can get a seat easier, right? Just the little things. But it's the little things that make a church great. It's the little things that make a church hospitable. It's the little things that, that when new people come onto our campus and the minute they hit our parking lot, feel like, okay, I belong here. Okay, this is, this, is a, this is a place that there's some excitement and energy. And when we are thinking about other people, man, that just raises the level of, of love in the church. And so we show hospitality. And then verse 17 talks about submitting to the authority of the elders. And so, so we don't have time to get into it, but, but part of our sacrifice of, of praises is, is, is also submitting to the leadership of God's church that he has placed in our midst. And so we come to church oftentimes frustrated about what's happening. You know, it's easy to walk in complaining about parking and certain people. It's easy to complain about small groups and how this hasn't happened right and they should have done this and I wish this. And it's easy to, to gossip about people because that makes us feel better about ourselves. And, and it's easy to complain about ministries and all these kinds of things that should be happening. But at the end of the day, if the building collapses, we don't have children's ministries happening. We don't have any hospitality ministries. We all have to park at the mall and walk two miles to church and, and it's raining outside. There's no building. All we really need is a Bible and people who are willing to lift up their praise to Jesus. That's all we need. I just need one other person to listen to whatever message God has put on my heart. It might be a little awkward, but that's really all I need. It doesn't matter if we've got the lights, if we've got all the comforts, if we've got the air conditioning, we've got all these things working, right? The only thing that matters is that we gather to worship Jesus. So the bottom line is that the Sunday gathering is not for my preference. It's for his praise. This is not about my preference. It's for his praise, and our hearts have to connect with him. The last sacrifice is in verse 16, and he tells us to bring a sacrifice of sharing. 
He says, don't neglect to do to do good <clears throat> and to share what you have because such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So Sunday morning is about sharing. Sunday morning is about sharing and doing good. We share our resources because ministry is expensive. We share our talents together because we need each other to reach more people for Christ. We need the encouragement of everyone sharing their gifts. Both are sacrifices of sharing what God has given to me so that I am sharing with you, sharing with this community. This builds the ministry. This brings freedom in the place. This brings encouragement. And this is our sacrifice of praise to God. He says, don't give up doing what is good. Give it to others. And so if all you do is come and receive, you will never share, then you will never connect your heart to the heart of God. Because we must bring a sacrifice of sharing. We come to church and we're like, here I am, God. You're welcome. Look at me. And God is like, yeah, I've been watching you. I've been checking you out. And you need to put that arrow back in the bucket, bro. Because your heart has not been focused on me. It's not been connecting with me. You've been worried about what other people think. You've been thinking about other things. You're not singing, giving, sharing. You're not really doing anything for God. You just kind of come and sit, and God's like, no, I'm not tracking with that, man. You're way, way off base. And it's time for you to kind of bring that to the priority. Bring that to the focus. My prayer through this series is that corporately, individually, our hearts would connect a little bit closer to God. And that through our worship, we would move closer to his heart. I've got a picture of worship I want to show you guys today. You guys put that on the screen. So this is worship. Read the scripture. And all affection, all love, everything that stirs our heart is, is being expressed right here. The psalmist would be proud. Okay? Now, let me just, let me just say this, not against this. In fact, next Saturday, if I, if I get a ticket, I'll be doing that. Not, nothing wrong with that, okay? But what this shows us is that this is what we are created for. Our very soul is created to go after something that is of greater value. And in the confusion of life, you can leave that back up there, please. In the confusion of life, we find little gods. We find little things that stir our affections and it takes our eyes off of Jesus. And so, as we look at this, let's hear these words. Just keep it up there. Don't, don't take it down. Psalm 28, 2. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Cry for mercy. There's, there's a cry, there's a yell for God's mercy here. And a lifting up of our hands. Psalm 141, 2. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. My prayer, they would light incense and the incense smoke would go to you know, the sky. And so his idea is that my prayer would be raised up into heaven and as well as my lifting hands as a sacrifice of praise. Psalm 89, 9, 88, 9 says, my eyes are dim with grief. 
I call to you, O Lord. Every day I spread out my hands to you. Expression, physical. When your affections are stirred, it looks like this. Look at these faces. Look at the smiles. Look at the cheers. Nobody is saying, why is that dude doing that? That's so weird, man. Why? It's normal. It's accepted. It's acceptable worship. Right? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but let your minds be transformed. I'm going to continue. Psalm 143, 6 says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts like a parched land. Lamentations 2.19 says, Arise, cry out in the night. As the watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him. You catching a theme yet? You jo- are, you, are you tracking with me yet? 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Now listen, you might not be a hand raiser, but I want to give you freedom in this place. I want to give you freedom in this place that when we sing, when we worship, like hands raised is a biblical expression of worship. As we worship, as you pray, that is a biblical expression and proper response to worship. Gathering close, sitting in the middle, these are acts of hospitality, a culture we like to create. Introducing yourself and welcoming people is a culture we want to create because we want to be hospitable to strangers. We want to connect our heart to God on this day. We want to get our mind and our attention upon Him. And I want to give you freedom. Some of you are close to that. Some of you are close to this on a Sunday morning, right? And I want to give you freedom that this is, in view of God's mercy, a proper response. That our church would feel that freedom, feel that energy and excitement. That I care what people think. It's not a denominational thing. This is a this is a biblical thing that we want to pour our heart out to God. And, and, and I feel like when we transition into this room, things got a little, things got a little lot with a ton of new people came, which is awesome. Bigger room, which is, which is great. And then we've kind of left kind of that, that, okay, we're here to worship. And, and our hearts are connecting and we're singing and we're engaged. And so I want to get, get to that again. I want to, want to get back to that. He gives us three sacrifices. So we've got to be willing to live a, a, and, and be a living sacrifice for the cause of Christ. We've got to bring that sacrifice of praise. We've got to bring that sacrifice of sharing our gifts and resources to the body of Christ. And so what is God's, what, what is God's heart speaking to you today? How will you take your next step? What sacrifice is God calling you to make? Let's pray. Father, we bow before you. And even as I pray now, you pray. It'd be a tragedy if you would come to church and you would be here from start to finish regularly and you would not pray. Like, you would miss that chance to actually talk to God. That you would ask him, God, what must I sacrifice for you? In what area Am I holding back? And what area am I kind of camping out inside the walls? And, 
And what are you calling me to go outside the walls to and for? Father, we want to get there. We want to take that step, whatever that step is. Maybe it's that expression that we lack. Maybe it's that focus we lack. Maybe it's that, that inward mentality, an inward focus that has overwhelmed our heart. God, may we lay that down and get outside the walls of our current system and go to where you are to worship you. And so, Father, we pray that today our worship would be acceptable, a living sacrifice, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, that do not neglect to do good. And that's what we're here for today, God. And so we want to praise you. We want to thank you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now it's our turn. It's our turn as the responders. He's the audience. You're the performer. We get one more opportunity today to lift his name up. Would you stand? Let's sing together. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.